so glad everyone's here. Thank you. Happy Easter, everyone. He is risen. It's so awesome. Um, Pastor Tad sends his love from Florida to us. He texted me even before I woke up this morning saying happy Easter, and he's praying for us. He loves us. Pastor Matt and um, Don are praying for us this morning and sends their greetings as well. I was with them last night for a while. The title of my message today, we're just going to jump right into it because I chose this video on purpose because it's so incredible. It just like picks up all the different things we're going to talk about. But the title of my message this morning is Why Three Days? For the resurrection. Jesus was crucified on Friday. There was Saturday. And then today, Sunday, he rose from the dead. Why three days? Have you ever thought about that? As I'm studying this, it's like crazy. It's like, he created the heavens and the earth. Let there be, and boom, there was. So why did it take three days to raise Jesus from the dead? He could have done anything he wanted. God could have done it in any way, any manner. Why was it that way? I, first of all, don't believe it was an accident at all. I believe God has intentionality with everything, and that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to start with looking at Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So I'm going to tell you right now, The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you and lives in me. But now I want to ask you, why did Jesus come? Why the big question? Why did he have to be crucified? Why did it have to be so gory? Why did it have to be so violent? Why, why, why did it have to be all of these things? And to do that, we have to look back to the beginning of the earth, which again, I'm pointing to the video, because it started off with Adam and Eve in creation. But you see, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he put man on here to have dominion on it, to populate it, to live. And he says, hey, I'm giving you every tree in the entire garden that you can eat from. Knock yourself out. It's like the whole fridge is full for you. The cupboards are full. Just this one little tree over here. Don't eat this one. This one. Now, I did a a message when we were at North Church on choices. It's on our app. You can go back and listen to it. And I dug really, really deep into this whole particular thing. And I'm so tempted because I want to dig deep into that again because I love that message. But you see, I believe God couldn't really give us a choice if there wasn't something that we could do wrong. If he didn't put that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and say, don't eat from this one, if that option wasn't there to do evil, to do wrong, then I really don't have a choice at all because all my choices are good. Do you understand what I'm saying? We know the story. They ate the apple. They disobeyed God. They did what they were told. You can have everything. Just don't do this one thing. And they still chose to scoot over here and go, you know. And that act of disobedience has now been sown into their children, then sown into their children, sown into their children, and so on, all the way down to me. And my children. So as much as I don't want my children to fall into that sin trap, to fall into that having eaten of the knowledge of good and evil, to know good and bad, they do. And their children. And their children. It's always perpetuating itself. 
And that wasn't God's plan, but that was the choices that were made by Adam and Eve. Sin entered the earth. So God made an option to deal with that because he knew what was going to happen. He had an option, his plan B, that wasn't what he wanted. So in order to pay for the sins that we have now, God gave an option in the Old Testament that you had to kill a cow or a goat or a bird and all this different thing, and it was a sacrifice. And basically, they paid for your sins. But it was only good for a year. So it's like having a coupon that expires. And you go to redeem that coupon, and you're standing in line at Costco, and you're trying to do this thing, and it's it's not going to work because it's expired. Well, the same thing happened with the... The atonement, the sacrifice that was made is only good for one year. And it was during this time, this time of Passover, that that time expired and it was time you had to bring more. So as we see in Jerusalem, there was approximately 3 million people of the children of Israel that have all descended on Jerusalem now. And part of what they're doing is bringing their sacrifice. Now, can you imagine that church, the temple so they're actually slaughtering. It was like a butcher's house. So, I mean, you bring, you, you, instead of coming to church this morning and maybe bringing your offering or, you know, bringing your Sunday best or something, you're bra- dragging Bessie with you, all right? You've got some goats. And, and out in the foyer, they're like all over the place. And there's, you know, feed. And it's like, oh, you, you know, all this stuff. And then there's a the place where they're burning it. I mean, they're actually sacrificing. I mean, it's just, can you imagine that economy that that was there? But God says, that's only a temporary one. And then he sent his son to be the permanent sacrifice. See, hell is not a place that we go to be punished by God. Hell is a place that we go to pay for our own sins. But you don't have to. Because God, through Jesus, dying on the cross, paid for our sins and gives me the option, if I accept that gift, then I don't have to pay for my own sins. Anyway. So that's the whole reason. So we see in John 3, 16, probably one of the most known verses in the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and sent him that whosoever, so that boils it down to one person. So just one person, whosoever, whoever will say, I'll take it. I'll let you pay for my sins instead of me having to do that. Whoever would do that, they may be saved. But the very next verse, John three seventeen, says, For God did not send his Son into the earth so that the world would be condemned. He didn't send him to shake the finger and say, Now, you know you shouldn't have done that. Now, I told you. Don't make me come down there, right? <laughs> that cracks me up. But... God sent his son not to condemn the world, but that through him the world will be saved. So in those two verses alone, we see the world, the totality of everybody, and we see the one. And the one is me. The one is you. John 10.10, Jesus says what he's coming here for. He goes, I've come that they, meaning me, may have life and have it to and have it more abundantly, or another translation says, to the full. So you can live life fully, the, filled, the fun-filled life, the full-filled life. That's what I'm trying to say. Good grief, that was not. Can I suggest to you that Jesus' purpose in dying on the cross was not only 
for salvation. I'm not minimizing salvation and paying for my sins so I don't have to pay for my own sins. That salvation message, it wasn't just for that. So many people want to live life like they want to and on their deathbed hope they have enough time to say, okay, God, I accept you now. I don't want to go to hell. They don't want, they want fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell, but they sure want to live like it here. But, you know, I, I always wondered, why would they want to be in heaven if down here they don't like God, they don't like his house, they don't like his people, and they don't like his book? I just wonder. Anyway, I don't know how comfortable they're going to be in heaven, but they don't want to go to hell. But can I suggest to you, it's way more than that. He says, I've come to give you life to the full. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And they're plans for good and not for bad or disaster, to give you a future and a hope. There's way more to living a God-filled life than just fire insurance. And that's what God has revealed to us today. Who better to tell us and to show us the way we're supposed to live than the one who has the plan for us. The one who created me is going to know the best purpose for my life, and he's able to reveal it to you. But maybe you've had church people tell you that that's impossible. You've sinned too much. You're too bad. You did this. You didn't do that. You've heard all of these things saying, no, 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 you're, you're beyond hope. Maybe you've been judged or rejected or even pushed to the side and say, just get out of my way. Can I suggest to you this morning that Jesus came for you? Jesus began and finished this work. In, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, you heard Andrew say, we're reading through the book of Philippians as a church. And our goal is to read through it. It's only four chapters. You can read through it in 15 minutes, all right? To read through that today and then tomorrow, read through it again. And this whole month, we're going to see how many times that we individually can read through the book of Philippians. This is one of the verses we're gleaning from that. And you'll see one of the things we're getting from it. Philippians 1.6 says, And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, he says, I know the plans I have for you. He began that good work within you. will continue the work until it is finally finished. He's going to keep going and working on you and working on you and working on you until it's completely finished in the day when Jesus Christ returns. Hebrews 12 says that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who came up with it all. He's the one who starts it, and he's the one who sees it through to the end. But what is it? It's more than just salvation. The work that Jesus did from the cross to resurrection was not accomplished even as God in moments. Let's say that again. The work that Jesus did from the cross when he died for us all the way through those steps of resurrection was not accomplished as God in moments. See, Jesus came as a man. God sent Jesus as a baby. He grew up. Because before we could say, God, you're way up there. How can the world, can you know how I feel? How can you know how it is for me to live? You're just up there and everything's perfect in heaven and I'm down here on earth and it is not so perfect here on earth. 
And he sent him to take the same steps that we did, to walk a mile in our shoes, if you will, to be where I'm at, to live, to be tempted the same way I'm tempted, to go through everything. And that transformation from death to life was a process. So why three days? Why three days? Because everything that we have in our life is a process. Jesus is modeling that for us and showing that to us here. Have you ever known somebody that has an addiction of any level? It can be to drugs. It can be to alcohol. It can be to sex. It can be to pornography. It can be to prescription medications. The list can go on and on and on and whatever the addiction is. You don't walk away from addiction and say, I'm done with that. That no longer has a hold on me. I'm okay. I don't need that. It takes a while. It takes a process. And Jesus is modeling that process here. It took three days because the deliverance is a process. However, Jesus' last words were, it is finished. He's up there on the cross. He's breathing his last breath. And he said, it's finished. But it wasn't finished. He still was bleeding. He was bleeding out, literally. He's breathing his last breath. And then they pulled his body down and they put it in the grave and they dug out at the bottom so his feet would fit in there. You can go to Israel and see the tomb of Jesus and see where they dug it out so you know how long he was and how tall he was. And then he was there through Saturday and then Sunday is resurrected. But when he's hanging there, he says it's finished. It wasn't finished. But he's the author and finisher of everything. So even in your life, when you say, man, God, you said you got some great plans for me. It doesn't look so great from where I'm standing. You said it's going to be a wonderful life. I'm going to live it to the full. It it, is not very full right now. Well, it's full of something, but it's not something I really want to say in church. But can I suggest to you that it was just the same when Jesus said it is finished in his process. It was going to happen. It's the same way when he says something to you that I have begun this work in you and I'm going to see it through to the end. Going back to Romans 8, 11, we started with that. It says, the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And here's the two words. I put them in yellow so they pop out to you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living inside of you. That same spirit. Just as, meaning when Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, he was completely dead. Like there's no blood left in him. There's no pulse. There's nothing. There's no air. He's completely dead. It can also quicken life to our mortal bodies, to our dead things. So the parts in my life that I go, God, that... There's no way that can ever be resurrected. I messed up way too many times. There's no way I can ever recover from that. Talk about skeletons in your closet and say, I don't want anybody to see that. Like, nobody, don't look. Look away. Go over there. He has a way to breathe life into that. See, God never intended Easter, Resurrection Sunday, to be a celebration only. 
It was never meant to just be, hey, let's get some eggs and some bunnies and let's just have a good time. Let's wear our our brightest colors today. Let's make everybody blinded by how awesome we look and great clothes. And it's just a great time, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's great. It wasn't so wonderful for Jesus. But even the celebration of what ended up happening, it's more than that. It's the resurrection power to tell you that the dead areas in your life can also come to life just as Jesus did. So your dead areas can come to life just as Jesus. See, the resurrection of Jesus gives us the ability to close the gap between the life that you're living and the life you want to live. The life you've always dreamt of and say, man, this is what I thought it was going to be like. It isn't like that. My life isn't turning out like I thought it was going to. God gives us the ability to close the gap. But if you're trying to live and change your life without God's power, it'll never work. See, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the resurrection story shows us that closing the gap is a process. 1 Peter 2, 21 in the message says, this is the kind of life that Christ lived. He came to let us know that it could be done and also show us how to do it step by step. If you hang around Church on the Rock very long at all, you'll hear us talk about next steps all the time because we're looking for the step-by-step direction. I don't have to know how to get 500 miles from here. I need to know what my next step is. And then the next step after that. See, God shows us the kind of life that Christ Jesus lived can be done. And he's going to let us know how to do it step by step. I just love this. Jesus modeled the steps. He modeled the process, the journey, letting you know it could be done. But now I'm going to tell you, those three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they mean something. Friday, we can see, was the day of pain. That was the day that Jesus was beaten so badly. They said you couldn't even recognize that it was a human being, much less that it was Jesus. So badly beaten. Then they made him carry his cross with the other guys through the streets. They were so weak from being beaten so badly. He couldn't even carry it. He fell, and they had somebody else help him along the way. And then they get him there, and then they run the nails through his hands. Do you realize that God could have chosen any time in history to send Jesus to pay for our sins? If he came today, the, the, the um, capital punishment, the ex- execution would be lethal injection. He wouldn't have suffered anything. God chose the moment in time that capital punishment was the most violent and horrific experience so that he could experience our pain. Friday is the day of pain. Types of pain, he went through physical pain. We go through physical pain. We'll have times that it's like, there's parts of my body that hurt. People hurt me or I got beat up. We will go through physical pain. Yeah, Jesus can go, yeah, there's a checkbox right there. I went through that too. Jesus went through emotional pain. Jesus was despised and rejected and he was falsely accused. I've experienced that. People have accused me of doing stuff I never did. That hurt me. 
I've been through some situations that are like, man, that really is painful emotionally. He also had relational pain. Jesus had a crazy family. Anybody can relate to that? My wife should not be cheering on that. I think my children would raise their hand. I'm not looking because I'm their crazy family. But he knew life as a single person and how to be tempted and to resist that temptation. Did you know that Jesus' family abandoned him? He's up there dying on the cross and some of them took off and said, I, I can't deal with this. There's another time that he's up there preaching just like this and his family's outside going, Jesus, come on, you've lost it. We're going to take you to rehab. We're going to check you in with Dr. Phil because there's some screws loose in your head. And they're trying to pull him out. And he's like, stop, get away from me. He had a crazy family too. Jesus experienced all kinds of pain to show us that he's there for us. Because I want to suggest to you there's no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. When you discover the purpose that God has for your life, why God put you here, there's no pain that you're going through that his purpose cannot redeem. So as we look at all of these, can I suggest to you, some of you may be in a Friday season of your life. You may be in that season where it's like, this is just pain. Every time I, everything I turn, everywhere I go, there's just pain emotional pain there's physical pain there's relational pain man my husband or my wife or my brother or my mother or my bro- sister what whatever it would be it's just like ah oh, there's too much going on i can't handle this god says you can with me saturday was the day of confusion see jesus had tried to prepare them for what was going on but they weren't listening It's the day of confusion. Peter, when Jesus is being crucified and and being accused of all stuff, he's like, I don't know that guy. Oh, no. Aren't you the guy? No, uh uh-uh, not me. Some of the disciples are running around like, they're going to come for us next. We're going to hide. Let's go hide under these rocks. Let's go here. Some are like, I'm going back to fishing. I'm done. They said, this didn't turn out like I thought. Have you ever thought that your life didn't turn out like you thought? You ever think that your day didn't turn out like you thought? They're running around in confusion. See, they're not saying, hey, yesterday was Good Friday. Today's Saturday, but tomorrow's Easter. Let's just make it through today. They're faced with the same thing that we're faced going, I don't know what's going to happen. They were confused. Don't we all want answers? Why? Jesus, why did this happen? I mean, we were on a roll. I thought we were going like, to take over the whole world. They killed you. I saw you be put in the grave. Why? Now to break this up a little bit, I have a couple of jokes for you that also answer why. Because we can't be serious all the time. Got to kind of let a pause go on here. So a man was listening to the radio and he heard that a car was driving the wrong way down Interstate 35 He knew his wife was also driving on Interstate 35 at the same time. He frantically called her on his cell phone and said, Lenore, watch out. There's a car driving the wrong way on Interstate 35. And Lenore said, there isn't just one car. There's hundreds of them. I know, I'm something else. I I was so tempted and I gave into that temptation. 
but you have to forgive me. Can you cry underwater? Have you ever thought about that? How important does a person have to be before they're considered assassinated versus being just murdered? When you have to put your two cents in and it's only a penny for your thoughts, what happens to that extra penny? Why does a round pizza come in a square box? And lastly, why do people pay to go up tall buildings and put money in a binoculars look at things on the ground? I don't know. We want to know why, right? It's a little bad attempt at humor. But you see, the disciples were in the same boat. They want to know why. They had their doubts. There's one disciple that was even so consumed with this and not getting it and just like, and Jesus is so patient with him that he's even, it's added to his title. He's called Doubting Thomas because he doubted all the time. And when they said Jesus was here, he's like, I saw him dead. There's no way. He goes, man, I'm not going to believe a word you said until I see him. And I put my fingers to where they put the nail and then I'll know. And when Jesus reappeared, he goes, Thomas, come here. I know. Go ahead. Jesus is so patient with us when we want to know why. David, in the Bible, also could relate. He said in Psalm 73, we're not going to look at it for the sake of time. He's like, I'm doing all of the right things. And it seems like the wicked are the only ones who prosper. They're prospering by living terrible lives. They're doing all the wrong things, and they're prospering. Ah, how can it be? I did it all in vain. I kept myself pure, and they did this. But he goes on to say, verse 16 and 17, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. Have you ever thought about, why is everybody else getting ahead and I'm not? Why, why is... They're, li- they're sinners. Why are they living this way? And here I am trying to do the right thing, and I can't get ahead. Until I entered into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood what was going on. Another translation says, Still, while I was trying to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I saw the whole picture. See, that's why we have church. That's why we have a Sunday morning service. Because it doesn't change the situations you're going through. It changes you. It changes your perspective to go, oh, you're a great big God. Oh. And the presence of God changes everything. David says, when I entered into the sanctuary of God, can I suggest to you that it's also where we enter into worship. So we can have, even not being in the sanctuary of God, we can be at home and have the sanctuary of God in our home by having a playlist going. That's why we have the playlist that Andrew talked to you about, that we can have, you can listen to the worship songs that we're doing. We have a prayer playlist. We have all these different playlists that you can go and go, man, I, I, I just so, it's in the day of confusion in my life, and I just don't know what to do. I'm going to run to where I know God is. Ha, huh, now I understand. I don't understand everything that's happening. I don't understand and go, oh, okay, that makes sense but I understand the whole picture of who he is. See, there's no pain in day one 
Friday, that his purpose cannot redeem. And there's no confusion in day two that his presence cannot calm. See that life to the full? When we have pain, his purpose wants to redeem that. When we have the day of confusion, when we're just like, I don't know what to do, his presence can create that calm for you. And Sunday, (laughs) Sunday is the day of resurrection. And see, our goal here at Church on the Rock is that you would take the journey with us because you're going to have Fridays. You're going to have the days of pain. You're going to have the Saturdays, the days of confusion. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And Jesus modeled this whole thing in three days. But can I tell you, you could go through it alone. But it's so much better if we go through it together. It's better when we can link arms and say, man, I'm having a rough day. Lenore, can you just pray for me? Can you just listen to me? You don't even have to know the answers, but can you just, I'm just going to tell you what's going on and and know that Lenore's going to pray. You can call the church and say, hey, I need you to pray for this. You can fill out a connection card online in our app. You can go to, there's a gajillion ways you can reach out for help. We pray over all the connection cards. Yesterday we were here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Everyone's welcome to join us. And we had them all spread out here, and we walked around over the course of the hour and prayed over them all. We can do this together. Our goal is that we take this journey with us, that we live life together. See, the key to finding resurrection in your life is one word, Jesus. He is the resurrection. He is the one that is able to help us through that. But as I told you earlier, can I suggest to you that he not only paid for your sins, he went through the process to show you step by step how. He says in John 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. That's all you have to do today is believe. Lastly, there's no death that his power cannot resurrect. So whatever that area of death that's happened in your life, that pain, that thing that you say, there's no way that can be resurrected. There's no death, nothing that his power cannot resurrect. He's like, I'm here for you. That same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is available for you to resurrect that. The Apostle Paul sums it up for us in Philippians. Here, we're back in Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Verse 11. So that I will experience the resurrection. So that. Because I want to know the same life that he lived. So that I can experience too. Now, if everyone will take out your connection cards. Andrew talked about them earlier. I want everybody, if you don't mind, play along. If you're in the first service, that's fine. You can just hold it and you can just pass the empty one back through us. We can recycle them that way. But I know you've already started putting your name and everything in there. But on Easter Sunday every year, we're going to take the time to actually put intentionality to this. 
So we've got the front where it has your demographics. And again, as Andrew said, just give us whatever information you feel comfortable in giving us. At the bottom, there's a place for you to give us your prayer request and let us know how we can serve you. But if you can flip it over to the back, there's an A, B, C, and a D. And what these represent, we're going to ask you to fill out and let us know where you're at. It's a survey to find out where you're at. And can I suggest to you that everyone in the entire world fits into one of these four categories? A, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. I've already accepted Jesus. B, I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus today. Today's my day. Today I'm ready to say the prayer, and we're going to say the prayer in just a minute. Today's my day. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do this. We're going to join in together. C, I don't know. I'd like to consider this a little bit more first. Another way you say is, I'm just still checking this all out. I'm really not sure about all this church and Jesus stuff. And D, I do not ever intend on making that decision. In other words, I am never going to accept Christ. We've done this survey last year, and we actually had somebody who checked D. Our goal is that everyone in all four categories feels welcome and at home, and we're so happy that you're here. We never desired to have a church that is just for church people. We desire to have a church where everyone in every one of these categories feels welcome. And you feel welcome to come and just figure it out. And we'll figure it out together. Because I'm going to tell you, if you come back next week, and you come back the next week, and the next week, not anything about me, not anything about our worship team, but God will do something in your life that you will start figuring things out. So we, I just ask you to take a moment and check one of these four, and we're going to pick these up in just a minute. So if you don't mind, let us know demographically where you land. Is everyone finished with that? All right, if you'll bow your heads with me. Father God, I pray for the message on this Easter Sunday. Lord, I pray that we can all apply your word to our lives. And recognize that you didn't just come to save us. You came to give us a full life. You modeled a process for us. That when we're going through pain, when we're going through confusion, that there is resurrection available for our dead life. But Lord, you're the only way. So Lord, I thank you for everyone who's filled out these surveys on the connection card. Lord, I pray now for the person who checked the B. For the one who's here this morning and who's ready, that today's their day. And if that's you where you're at, I want you to say this prayer after me. Say it in your head. You don't need to say it out loud. Simply say this prayer. God, thank you for sending your son to die in my place. To pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Here's the big one. Jesus, forgive me and take my life. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. 
And if that's you, welcome home. We're so glad you're here.